I believe something comes into you, zaps you with energy. You can't buy in a powder, you can't buy in a pill. It comes from that state of mind. And I believe anyone who's, whatever belief system you got, I respect, but use it, leverage it fully. Fall in love with the whole human race. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear from thought leaders in an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and help you take control of your online lives. We're going to learn some really practical tips. Well, the bottom line is people doing the most amazing things in the world, insightful people, thought leaders in innovation and the future. Well, they have a vision of the future, a version of the future that they can see just around the corner for us all. And this podcast is when we explore that sort of solution-based thinking. Many podcasts, there's a lot of problem-based conversation, and we've all just about had it up to here with that. And today we're going to talk to a thought leader like so many that we've spoken to on the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. The thought leaders of the future are going to be the helpful, measured, thoughtful voices. And we've really got one today. Today, we're going to talk with Michael Price. Michael is a father, a motivational speaker, a philanthropist, and he's author of a wonderful book that I want to turn people on to called Chase People, Not Money. And that is a concept in business and and the way we live our lives in a way that's in sync with a personal ethos of business in our working lives. So welcome, Michael. I'm just delighted to chat with you and introduce yourself better than I do. The scope of your work is pretty big. I think I put it in short. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Dr. Linda. appreciate that. Um, Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me here. Really do. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, my work is and the scope of 30 years of studying people and serving people and what they, how they responded to my level of energy I brought to their doorstep in their lives. And, and it's the, the more curious they became, the more curious I became, uh, what are they, what's going on? And I started to do some inward reflection. I thought, Father, you know, and I pray and stuff. I said, you know, when I inner reflect, I go, what is it that they're seeing? Because it's really making an impact. And so, because I was curious if I was too much, maybe it's reading too far, too far into it. And finally, I started asking people, I bet you're wondering where I get my energy. And when I asked them that, they literally, a lot of people, not everyone, but many, many people jumped and they said, yes, that's <laughs> it. Yes. Now that you said, now that you asked, what is it there? Because they're that, they were like literally like jumping beans ready to jump because they want to know where am I getting this energy? And so I thought to myself, man, I got to see myself as a volume button. I got to hold this thing down on seven or two because if I let go of the volume button, it's going to crank all the way to 10 because I'm bouncing off the walls. I love people and I love bringing my virtuosity to their life because if I do this love for people with the excellence of what I do creates a refreshing experience that is mind boggling people. So I thought I got to search this out. I got to study this. And that book is the crystallization of that study. Well, it's it's such a great concept. I don't want to go past it. I, I wrote it down where I when I read it a couple places. Give people a refreshing experience. Yes. And then you even add in some places, money should be the farthest thing from your mind. Yes. And describe that even more so is holding people's feelings 
high above our need for money is the starting point. You see, you, their feelings, how they feel, it matters so much more to you that it literally mutes out the whole thought of money. And, and this can be done in, in anyone's working life, right? This is a way of being in the world. Correct. Correct. Now, you know, there's a lot of, everyone has a backstory. Some people, you know, don't want to give themselves, make themselves vulnerable to care about people's feelings that much because they get burned or whatever dynamics going on. You. But in business, they need to just cancel that assumption. You know, it's all bets are off in business. The customers have, they deserve, they've earned the right to have their feelings regarded. For example, in my, my line of work, you know, people gave me anywhere from a hundred dollar bill to a ten thousand dollar bill to a fifty thousand dollar down payment, you know, and beyond actually. But, but basically, it, it ranges. But no matter what the size of check, every check is huge because a human being writes it. And so, when you start to get into this mindset, something starts to happen in your experience with clients. They just somehow—it's like a, a tribe of kindred spirits finding each other. And all of a sudden, the bad clients, and there are, there's one bad client out of a thousand is one too many. I tell people that because one bad client has the power. Here's what people don't realize. When you hand someone, when, excuse me, when someone hands you a check, when, they, when you accept their check, their money, that you, you've ex- then given them, there's an exchange of power taking place. You've given them power over your life. So before you take someone's check, you want to make sure that something was working on your behalf that makes sure that a bad person who can now give you grief like you're never going to believe isn't giving you that money. How do we know this? Where's our filter? There's no filter on to have a discernment like that, you know, to carefully filter out these kind of people. That's what I write about. See, there, there's a the, the cosmic law of cause and effect. I mean, one thing we can all settle on every world religion, you know, everybody, they kind of know cause and effect. No one can say it's not there, right? So it's kind of like you, so I take that law and I call it a higher form of artificial intelligence, but it's not artificial. It's actually automated intelligence. So I call it a different AI. And it's literally man-made's AI is like, it has one purpose, information dominance. And so this, which is in the automated intelligence is doing the same thing, but it already achieved the goal, information dominance. So you bring this back home to what I'm talking about. And that is when you engage with people and you have this law of cause and effect working for you, if your motivation is truly to give people refreshing experiences. Do you know how many people out of a thousand people are truly wanting that more than anything else in business? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hard press to say, we'd be lucky to find one out of a thousand that truly has that as a motivator, which if that's the case, well, the universe is trying to, trying to find people that it can be, it could use to bring back to people the rewards they're rightfully due. So in the book, I talk about how there's people that have, that have been right by people and they're due rewards because of it. The balance of the universe has to bring them back rewards. So they're about to expend uh, $50,000 for their backyard dream. It's a very big deal for them. Or let's just say it's $10,000 and it's life savings. They've saved it up. It's a big, big deal, right? And so then they're about to give that money to someone who's going to just completely give them a horrific experience, flake out on them, double charge them. You know, that happens all the time. But these, this is a good family. So I believe, here's what I believe is that. The universe, the intelligent universe, will bend reality to get you in front of that person. If you're the one, it could use to be the reward those people were rightfully due. It will literally bend reality for you and make sure that you're, that's your client. Because there's so few of you out there 
that, that, that all the more for the few that are willing to care, hold people's feelings high above their need for money and be excellent at what they do, right? That's, so that, that's what it's all about. It's lovely. Uh, okay, so just to keep at the 10,000-foot look, because we in the first eight minutes here, we dove really deep. This is like a, a personal ethos. It's a way of looking at your working life, no matter if you own your own business or if you're working for a giant corporation or whatever, you're yes. talking about operating at a level of excellence that wraps the, the customer's feelings about the interaction into the most important part of the exchange. Correct. You right. want them, whoever you engage with, whether it's on the phone, you're calling them on a, on a call, whoever you, know, you go into a doorstep or you're, whatever you're doing, you're wanting this person to have a refreshing experience. And here's what I say, that we're living in an ocean of frowns. So one genuine smile makes a genuine big ripple through that water. So just be that one genuine, genuine smile in an ocean of frowns and you'll see the ripples happen. You go, I want to live like this every day. This is like, this is how to live. But how, where does that smile? People, many people can fake a smile, but so the universe isn't about faking it. The universe knows that. Automated intelligence knows that you're faking it. It doesn't do bozo the clown ink. It does authenticity. So to be genuinely caring about people's feelings, that's a state of mind that takes a little bit of training, a little bit of training, a little bit of thought process involved in that. And in the book, excuse me, chapter two, the whole human race talks about this, the groundwork to get to this place where you can hold people's feelings high above your need for money. This yeah. is lovely. And you know, I, you and I had a little chat short before we started today. And I told you that one of the things that attracted me to your work is that quite by accident, I think my husband and I did that as we built our dental practice. Most people wow. have kind of a shocking sort of a what <laughs> response to the fact that before I, I did all that I'm doing with Ever Widening Circles in the positive media space, I was a dentist for 25 years. And your message resonated with me because somehow accidentally, my husband and I stumbled upon what you're pointing to. We treated every person as if they were the only patient we were seeing today for 30 years, 40 wow. times a day. Mm. And it, it became part of our, right. our well, well and we trained our, sta our staff. Oh, it's mind boggling how beautiful it is to watch my team. I, I've had a broken arm cast up to my armpit for three months. And so all I can do is be on the sidelines and watch this team that my husband and I have built and how they're making it work through the pandemic. And then as soon as the pandemic's almost over, I break my arm, can't practice for six months. But to Sorry, watch them all make it work because of their love of the humanity of others. I, I shared this with Michael, you know, in our dental practice, we had a mission statement since 1993. Don't ask me how we had the wherewithal. We had a mission statement that was super simple. Patients keep their teeth their whole life. We do it in a happy work environment and we make enough money to do it again next year. Love it. And we've taught our, our staff that those, if you do the first two, the third one, you never have to worry about. And I think that's what you're saying. If you tap into the shared humanity of others, and that's all you focus on, coworkers, suppliers, bosses, people under you, interns, you don't, you're not going to have to worry about the money part. So it, it, am I putting that too simply? It is, it's, it's actually perfect. However, um, I always talk about uh, my first, the first wave of my career. Um, I was able to engage my clients perfectly, but I did not have the skill set to engage that level of perfection in my workforce. 
See, although I love people and I love my workforce, and although they trained up to be excellent at what they're, you know, I train them into artistry. And if I take a raw person and I make them an artist, and I, I had my standard, I had my standard with my workforce. I never buddy buddied with them, but I gave them a good, solid boss, of course. But there was when the when the adversity came, I didn't quite know just how to address certain things, curveballs that came my way, and so I did it the best way I knew how. But now that I know that I know. Boy, the bonding chapter in my book and the leadership chapter. Oh, my goodness. And then there, there's a thing I cover about the two types of thieves. There's two types of thieves. And the, understand this, this dynamic. Oh, it's amazing. So because in business, you've got to eventually grow. And that means you've got to eventually give your trust positions over to people that can abuse that trust. Right. And so that's why a lot of mom and pops never break out of mom and pops. They just can't give the books over to anyone. Because no one can be trusted, it seems. It seems, but that's not true. You got to understand there's dynamics. So I'm quite confident of my character now. My scruples have given me enough confidence to know that knowing the two dynamics of the, the dynamics of the two types of thieves, I'm able to dip into the inner workings of my com- my company and bond, specially bond with all my employees, my key employees. And bonding is important. Because false sense of entitlement is the enemy to a lot of corporations mm-hmm. fault and, and family trees, I'm sure too. But mm-hmm. false sense of entitlement, if you don't address that and police that and have a, a method to you know, groom that correctly, then that can come up to bite you in the future. So I've learned that over the years. And I, I believe in my world, I've mastered that. I, I'm going to boldly say that because my guys... It is just unbelievable. The, the unity we have, it's so beautiful that I'm like, I am so grateful. I wake up in the morning, I'm so grateful because I have pressed into them the chase people, not money method. And they've, it's, it's awesome. So I want, I want everyone who is thinking about plugging into networking, especially those who want to start their own business, especially those that, that see, before you do these things, I was getting dropped off by a Lyft driver yesterday, took a Lyft to my daughter's graduation, so I get a better park, better spot. And uh, on the way home, I had a talk with him. And I, he told me about his, his family went out of business over the pandemic. They had a restaurant, so they had to sell it. And he's wondering if he should ever get back into the restaurant business because he knows it. And I looked at him and I said, brother, promise me, promise me right now, before you ever do, you'll get my book and you will read my book. Promise me. And I looked at him like that, as if the ship had landed, the tractor beam went on, and he was pulled into the ship and he wasn't getting away. He looked at me like he knew like he knew. It was, a, it was a no moment. And so, and because I could say that because of what I know yeah. that I knew if he hadn't read, he doesn't read my book. Oh my goodness gracious. Right. So that sounds vain, but it's not vain. It is not vain. So that, that's the passion I have for people to know that what I've learned on a million and a half a year of business, roughly, right? This isn't a lot. But in that work, turned a formula that makes people economy-proof, competition-proof, and I believe almost bulletproof, literally. Uh-huh. If they follow this formula, the universe becomes a powerhouse firewall around you, guiding you. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience. And it well, can happen for just individual employee working for a big corporation, too. Yeah, this is the part that I really wanted to share with people on this podcast, is that this is a personal ethos method of just 
a way of working in the world where you care about the humanity of others, where you look for every opportunity to connect with it and to build others up. There are some really important things I want you to get to comment on. So I'm going to just start out the things that that I have down and and we'll give everybody all the value we can here in the next few minutes. Okay. Talk to me. (laughs) You said it just a moment ago. It's an underused word in our society, but talk to me about scruples. Scruples. Yes, yes. I like to call scruples a good pair of pants with a belt. They, They keep your pants on when the pressure's on. And, and scruples are important because it addresses peer pressure, peer pressure moments where you've entered an area where you're in a new ball field. And these players kind of said, basically, you know, you're cool enough to be with us now or you're in, you're in with us now. And so now they start to impress upon you their values and their values might not, excuse me, their, their way to do things. Mm-hmm. And their way to do things might be in your heart. You know, that's not what you were raised to be. That's not who you want to be, but that's who you need to be if you're going to be in this place. Yeah. Right. And so then a good script, if you got scruples, you'll say, you know what? I'd rather be shoveling hay in the barn at minimum wage with this, with this on than hanging out with that all day long. You see, everyone it goes into my other point about scruples is everyone has a price tag and no one wants to admit this, mm. but I believe every human being has a price tag. And the holiest of holy people, you know, on the mountain, top of the mountain, humana, humana. Uh, everyone, I believe, has a price tag. And here's what I mean by that. That everyone has, and this is just only what I believe, but I could be very wrong. There could be a few people out there in the clouds that, that are beyond this equation. I don't know. I'm not, because I can, I can acknowledge my own, my own weakness. Yeah. But there's a point in a person's life where there's a, an amount of money that they could manage correctly. But then if, they get, if that amount of money gets to a point where it's beyond their skill set to manage that kind of money, it makes them go all sorts of crazy and they start doing things they not, not do. So you might be comfortable with $20,000 a month of income, but as soon as that $20,000 a month turns into $150,000 a month, all of a sudden you'll buy cars you don't need. You'll start putting bills up. You won't even pay bills that you're, are due. You think you'd be paying them with the kind of money. But sometimes people get a little nutty with money. They run off to Vegas and do things dumb, dumb. So basically, but they're perfectly fine at that point. All the scoopers are on, everything's good. So knowing that, that there's a point in our life where, so I say, don't ask for a fast car, ask for the hands that can steer it, you know, and don't ask for a million dollars, ask for the hands that can manage the wealth. That's called asking in truth. If you want something big, then, then there's always something you need beforehand to prepare you for that big. So you can not only gain it, but sustain it. So your life's done on a constant up, not an up and down like AM stage, mm-hmm. right? Up and down, up and down. So you want to go up and up and up. Straight up, that's what I say. Come on, straight up. So a good pair of scruples will guarantee your trip to be straight up. Okay. Come on. And, and that's what I talk about, scruples. I will uh, challenge people to look that word up and, and think about it in reference to the work that they're doing every day in their lives. I, I have a, a course that I'm preparing now about next climbs when people realize that the, that the work that they're doing doesn't match what they have in their that what they're built to contribute, what they know in their heart, they're built to contribute. And I'm calling that a next climb. And I think scruples are definitely a part of deciding whether you're ready for your next climb is whether exactly. what you're doing now just offends you at the scruples level. <laughs> too exactly. Much. You know, I like to tell, I like to tell the youth that, you know, the power to say no, the ability to say no, but to say it correctly, say someone invites you to a party 
that you know that's not the type of party you want to go to. But, but you know, they invited you to the party. You don't want to offend them. They finally think you're cool enough to invite to a party. What do you do? You say, you know, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you thinking about me. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to pass because I got things to do. But thank you. I appreciate that. You know, and they go, well, what? What? I had this happen to me. And just go, what? What? This thing, you know, what? And you're like, you're going to say no to me. I'm finally telling you you're, you're cool enough to join the our scene. And you're saying, what? You're saying no. And I go, yeah, man, I, I got things to do tonight, but I appreciate the offer. Take it easy, man. I was able to, I was able to say no to that in high school. That was it, me, though. The gratitude is a great way to circumvent our awkward situations. When yes, you, it's a good diffuser. Yeah, it's a, good it's a good diffuser and it's a good sort of confuser. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, and it's, it's just hard to to read any intention that's bad if right. what you're actually expressing is gratitude. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the scruples and the ability to say no correctly is a great skill set in the face of peer pressure. Yeah. Because remember, peer pressure does not stop. I thought it stopped, but peer pressure keeps going. No. Oh, yeah. Next level you get to, there's going to be new peer pressures there. That's how I broke my arm that I mentioned. It was oh, all no. the peer pressure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we won't go into that story. Okay. So talk to me about core beliefs. Yeah. And how you develop core beliefs. And then we yeah. try, you're a big proponent of not just using your core beliefs in your business life or your personal life, but just making them touch everything you do. Talk to me about yeah. that. Perfect. I'm so glad you asked that. Well, the core beliefs, number one, is find a way. Everyone has a right to, I believe, my core belief is this. I believe everyone was born to choose whatever they want to believe in. And it's their right to believe in whatever they want to believe in. And it's not, and I don't have, my, my belief says, I don't have the right to trample on anyone else's beliefs, you know, because of what I think is great or right for me. So I give people that total freedom to believe what they want to believe. That's my number one core. So I don't abduct people with my faith or my views. Mm -hmm. And I share life notes, hoping that they'll benefit your journey too. That's yeah. basically, and I put that, I really hammer that point in the book, by the way. So people That's don't a lovely way to say it. You yes, share sir. what life views in the hope life that it'll notes. help somebody else's journey. Truly gather the notes. In other words, I believe the internet's a wonderful thing, but the human internet, the human net is actually a greater thing, much more technologically advanced than the instrumentality of light we call the internet, right? So when we plug into the human net with this kind of belief system, wow, please, when I run into somebody who has have life notes, to, I mean, like if I was alive, when Lewis and Clark just came back to town, with arrows in their hat and, and scars on their cheek, and they said, I got the maps of who, who kills you, the roads that work, I would just lay down and say, thank you, please. But you know how many people go, eh, yeah. they'll march out there in the territory, straight into the Apaches. You know, yeah. I mean, they just don't care. But when someone has life notes to give you, you know, right. and even so people have, you know, life notes that are even not written down. They have, they're like the hieroglyphics of people's soul. And they're willing to rip open their chest to share it with you. You know, the hieroglyphics of their soul. So I read those as well from the people that wanted to share their ugly past. Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you. Give me the nitty gritty. Tell me about that stuff. I was a sponge when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I soaked it all in. What I, what I call it is a pearl collector. I collect pearls. Those are pearls. Yes. And I'm a, I've been a pearl collector my whole life. I got a bag full of them and I love them. And the, the books I'm writing are, are the manifestation or the extrapolation of those pearls. That's how I put it. But my core beliefs are that. That's my core beliefs. And then the 
further expound upon my core beliefs is that no matter what you believe, if, if you can take those beliefs and use that, use those beliefs to fall in love with the whole human race, that's every skin, every language, everybody, good, bad, and the ugly, just love the whole human race. And people who I don't even know how to even go, I can't even wrap my head around that whole idea, right? Well, basically, it's, I see it like as this, picture Atlas holding up the globe, and he's got the globe on his shoulders. And as he holds this globe, he's going to get poked by a few people, and that's not going to feel very good. And to the human condition, we're going to want to drop the whole globe over a couple of pokes. But the name of the game, and here's where it's going to happen, and I point this in the book, I truly believe it's not for everybody. And that is, if you can say, I will take those pokes, don't feel good, don't, don't, doesn't feel good at all, but I'm going to take those pokes, I'm going to hold this globe. I'm going to keep loving the whole human race until my very last day. I've I'm, I'm endeavored to do that, period. Not moving. I love the whole human race. When you can grab that state of mind, I believe, and I'm 53, and I recovered from a lung injury I almost died from. I mean, when, when my, so in other words, I've got a level of energy that doctors haven't a clue where it's at. How does this guy have this level of energy with lungs like that? They see my lung x-ray, and they're like this. They go, did you see this? You know, they try to give me that. I said, yeah. He goes, good. I said, well, guess what, doctor? He said, those lungs are going to carry me into my 90s and beyond. <laughs> those lungs. And so mind over matter, I believe, I truly believe that this, the belief of love in the whole human race, to get to that place, I believe something comes into you, zaps you with energy. You can't buy in a powder. You can't buy in a pill. It comes from that state of mind. And I believe anyone who's, whatever belief system you got, I respect. But use it, leverage it fully. Fall in love with the whole human race. No more lines in the sand with people. No more picking and choosing with the love word. And I believe that's my core belief in a nutshell. Nice. And it gets you through some sticky moments, I would imagine. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> we won't go there. So, okay, on that, is this a part of the antivirus software thinking that you talk about having read in the background? Talk to me about that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I know I got, I got, there's been a, a pandemic and less exposure to more people and stuff, but we have uh, our business, for example, has increased exponentially over the past three years. It's just been growing, growing, growing. And now we're, we're booked out till uh, around October. And so what happens? Uh, in my company is that nothing but, and I don't want to, you know, I don't believe, knock on wood and boast about this wrong. Please don't take this wrong, but nothing but the best clients are finding us. They're so, the people are so wonderful. It's like the universe is literally playing the dating game. It's like the, the universal dating game. That's what I feel like. I feel like the star player are uh, the host of, or I don't know, the, maybe you're the host of the Universal Data Game. And I'm just a, one of those players that's on the show that's going, well, how does this, how do you know the perfect match? Every client's like that. Everyone. It's so beautiful. And we love it. And so that's business-wise. The last three years has been an, an amazing confirmation of what I just wrote about. It's, and then in my personal life, it's like there is a great, absolute great firewall keeping anybody with wrong motives to enter into my life. It's absolutely profound. And I'm grateful because where I, you know, recovering from a lung injury, I also needed to double down on my stress management that, you know, I'll tell you people that carry toxic behavior. Yeah. That, that's, you know, it's just not good, yeah. especially when you're trying to recover. And so, but it's, it's amazing. So 
my life is, is just, there's a great firewall. And now some people could say, if you're Christian, for example, you could say, that's a great, that's the favor. That's the favor of the Lord. But again, you're looking at, you're not, now you're compartmentalizing it for only a select few. And I don't believe that. I believe this favor comes from the law of the universe that he, that if you want to believe in God, that I believe God put in place as an intelligence that will be your, either your ready, your great firewall, or your great teacher. I mean, well, it's, you're a great teacher anyway, but it could be a great blessing or it could be a great disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. You know, here's, here's, what I mean, here's what I mean by that. You know, prison, for example, the prison. Imagine if, and I, before I say that, imagine, I believe, I call the greatest blessing in the universe is being able to get an instant feedback the second you get out of line and you're going contrary to what the universe would want you to do. And as soon as you go out of line, you get instant feedback. Now, unfortunately, though, there's not instant feedback on that. And so people have a delayed response. So when the feedback finally comes around, they're getting smacked and they have no idea why. Mm-hmm. See? And so imagine the prisons today full of people. If there was no feed, there, there was no delay in that feedback. And the minute they stepped out of line, whack, just smack. As soon as they stepped out of line, smack. And they would have got the instant feedback. I believe probably. We'd have a zero re- near near zero residency. So in these prisons today, that's what I believe, because instant feedback is a great blessing. So one of my big big points is that ask the universe to give you instant feedback. The minute you think a wrong thought, say a wrong word, get instant feedback because it'll it will help you create super success super fast, and you, you won't be your own worst enemy. You know, sometimes your greatest roadblock, obviously, is the limitations we put on ourselves, not just the people coming that we're yeah. you know, wanting to stay out of our life. Yeah. So, again, Absolutely. my core beliefs also include, you know, being able to inner, inner reflect successfully and honestly and accept the pain of an honest mirror. That is a good one. I, I think there's a, there's a trend rising towards self-awareness, but I'm not sure we've been operating with a lot of self-awareness in the last decade, let's say. Let's talk about a few of the really wonderful little nuggets that, that, I, uh, that I got out of looking at all that's, that's out there that right. you've created. So a lot of people think that if they don't feel like they're in their calling, if, they, if they're working for some job that doesn't feel like it resonates, that they have to start their own business. Exactly. You make this great point that I think we should talk about, about the fact that maybe you need to look for the, the right business to work for instead. Because if you say, if you can find a boss that treats people well and shares the wealth, there's no need to go through the, the what can be a nightmare of starting your own business. Talk Correct. about finding work environments that, that, go, that go with your scruples, let's say. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're working for an employer already, you already have a job and, and you're thinking about leaving because you're not getting the satisfaction out of that job. And, the, and say the work isn't something that, that's offensive to you. It's the work you could do if there was a b- b- better environment to work in. Well, before you start your own business, always give the employer a chance, the boss. And if, you're man- if you have a manager in your way, say you have a manager in your way and you, know, you got to talk to him first and all of a sudden he's not going to listen to you. You already know your manager is not someone you like. Well, if that's the case and there's no way of getting out of that manager, I would say try to have the boldness because it's going to take boldness to have your own business, probably twice the boldness. So the boldness to go to your current boss, the owner, the person even above your manager, you know, because you have every right in the world to find the person 
who's writing the checks mm-hmm. and tell him what he think you think he should know. If there's something going on in his business that's not making his work workers comfortable, you'd be doing him a great service by bringing it to him. Maybe draw it out on an outline, simple, so you're not tongue-tied when you talk to him. But you'd go to him first and say, listen, I've been working for you and I like this company. I like what you do. Talk about the points of the company, you know, and say that uh, I, I want to let you know that I, I need to find a new job. However, before I do, I would love the opportunity to ask you if you're interested in what's going on. And if you are, and you're willing to maybe let me know what could be done about it, I would be happy to stay and be one of the best employees you could ever have. You know, and and you talk to the employer. He, you might get lucky. You might strike gold. And you might tell him something that his ears, if he didn't hear about, he'd go bankrupt in a year. You might save him from a huge disaster. Right. See, so if so, anyone came to me and told me, "Oh, one of my employees is running jobs on the side," or something like that, something crazy, I'd never expect. I would thank that person, and I would just like that would that person hold a special place to me. So, being able to do that to conquer the shyness. Go right to the front. And I tell people this, whatever you think you're worth, double it. And you're just getting started. You know, you're worth a lot more than you think. You well, know? that goes to a point. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I've gotten involved in our conversation so much. I forgot to take a break. Let's yeah. take a break and sure. talk about a network that we've created, Everwinding Circles, where people oh, right. with such good intention in the working world, like you and I are talking about, find each other. We're calling it the conspiracy of goodness network. So let's take a break and we'll be right back in a moment to continue this discussion about how we navigate our working lives to feel really good about the purpose that we're having in, in, the, in the world around us. Thank you. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day, we have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where All of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight, and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world, those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place, are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply 
to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. Okay, so I had to have a hard stop there. I got got completely carried away with the moment. To do with what we were talking about just a moment ago about how we find workplaces or create them ourselves or how we generate them in the world around us that that really feel like they go with our core beliefs and that we're make, we're on purpose in our lives and so forth you talk about this <laughs> this great concept of be the the quickest learner be the most excellent person on the team just really throw your heart and soul into doing the work and that becomes such a multiplier of potential and possibilities. I think that notion of just really throwing yourself at the work gets lost sometimes these days in just going with the status quo or going through the motions. Talk to us about how you can create your own reality by by doing going the extra mile. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, you know, again, uh, back to the concept that I put in the book, in the bonus section, especially for, for the um, message to the youth of today. But this is for everyone, really, that there's four things you could do and when you want to you know propel yourself to the you know you don't have 10 years you just have six months to get there uh, these four principles will get you there quicker than six months but basically be fast whatever you're doing you can do it faster you can do it faster and like for example look at everyone walking down the street you know if they walk twice as fast they wouldn't even be breaking a sweat still you know so whatever you're doing learn to do it faster and then learn to do it as is as, as, as safely and efficiently as you can, see? And then uh, learn, study all the details around you. All the de- Look around, soak it all in. Don't get fixated. Don't let target fixation on anything ever lose your peripheral vision. I like to call it peripheral concern. You know, detail, detail, detail is peripheral concern. And that might be, it's just, it's, it's really profound. And finally, consistency. And my, bro- my brother, Steve, was one who, who taught me about, you know, consistency. And, uh, and it, that was this one big testament influence in my life. It is consistency. I love that. And, uh, but being consistent is the capstone to these four principles. And so speed, efficiency, details, and consistency. Mm-hmm. And one, two, get you there. Three and four, prepare you for more, mm-hmm. you know, basically. And, but when you go out a job and you are the fastest worker, the most efficient worker, and you are detailed and you are consistent, you are the number one employee in lickety split New York Minute. It's part of that, what we started talking about, about that cause and effect. Like mm-hmm. you want something different than you've got. You've got to do something different than you've done. Right. right. Print- well, you got to look at it like in the eyes of a, the employer too. The employer looks at an employee like that and goes, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. If I had my whole staff looking like that, I would be wealthy. I would be successful. I would do it. They, you, would, you, you give that employer like this amazing hope you know when you when you're an employee like that you're motivating everybody the, the, the customers see you they're motivated they're they're wow look at that and the employer it's just amazing but the businesses you see that are most successful they have mastered the synergy of creating that work work synergy in their workforce everyone's smiling everyone's happy and in the restaurant business i had a formula i just was a waiter for a little while but i developed a little i was observing very carefully around this formula you know at this restaurant called harper's and i thought wow you know so i realized something that you know it is it is profoundly powerful when you are the one person who is working those four principles you're immediately the number you're called out 
you're given the opportunity, you're, you're immediately advanced, and then you have the voice to go right to the manager and say, hey, I need to make this much money. So here, but back to my original point, I was going to tell you, the most important thing you say is find out what, what kind of money you need to make realistically to not only pay your bills, but achieve your goals. And if you're in a job where that's not getting paid, you're not paying, getting paid at least that much, well, then that, those four principles will be your rocket propeller to get you to that point where you can make the money. And not, not just a, your little walk to, your go-to. No, it'll be a rocket ship propeller to get you to the point where you're finally making enough money that you can see you can get your goals, you get the house, you can get your whatever it is you're wanting to do. And that's that's powerful. The greatest motivator is be, being able to make enough money to achieve your goals as well as pay your bills. My job with this, it, Brian's book too, is I put in there, that all my effort for my employees would be for not if I didn't find out what they need to make for their goals, not just their bills. And make sure they, they make that. And that's a very important point. I mean, if you're going the extra mile, you, you have to be working for people if, and you're working for others. You have to be working for people who, who can see that and who want right. that, who value that. Right, right, exactly. So if you're working for an employer that you, you do all that you're doing and they don't care, they're going to say, fine, we're going to pay you. We're not we're giving you a raise. We'll just we'll lap, they lap it up. They love it. And you know, so then what you do is you move on. You move on. When you, when you know you're on a dead-end street, if you, if you drive an awfully long distance and you haven't come across the beach yet. So, you know, so a road with a dead end is not fun at all. And I've been down a road like that with people promising things and not delivering. I call it a, I call it a, a pretty firecracker with an awfully long fuse that, that turns out to be a dud. <laughs> Nobody likes that, right? It's so true. Nobody likes that. Well, you know, there's a lot of trust going on through many, many woven through much of what we've talked about in the last 40 minutes. Talk to me about this language of respect and that I, I've heard you say that trust is earned, and I definitely want to talk about that. But language of respect, I mean, you should be able to recognize that you're in a culture where the language of respect is is present and it's, yes. it's well, you, you can explain it. Yes, exactly. Well, respect, I believe, part of my core beliefs is I believe respect is, is a birthright because we're, we're human beings. And I believe human beings... I, I truly believe that we have a special place in, in this planetary surface. You know, the language of respect is best said that everyone has been impacted in their life by good things and bad things growing up. And their nurturing is developed their how they like to be respected. And when you find that out, when you find that formula out, what they not only been impacted, the bad that impacted them, but also what they lacked growing up. And when you can tune into that as an employer and you formulate your, this is a skill set. I know people go, well, I have never, I'm not a professional psychologist. How would I know this? Well, you know what? If you love people, believe it or not, you, you can tune into a lot more than you know, but you got to pass that love barrier. Once you pass that love barrier, you pretty much get access to stuff that you'd never know. You never knew you had in you, but love gives you superpowers. I really do. I do. Anyway, when you find someone's language of respect, you know what not to say, you know, otherwise you would have said the wrong word, game over. One word can pop the fun balloon real quick if you don't know the language of respect. So when you learn that, you learn that to give them what they lacked growing up. You learn to not be a soft spot on their soft spot. You learn to talk to them in a certain way that now, now that you're the first person, possibly the first person that gets them 
and talk to them in a way they like to be talked. They like to be addressed and talked to. And when you become that first person in their life, they become your loyal huckleberry. They don't want to leave you. They want to work hard for you. They want to love. They want to thank you back. They, they owe you the world when you understand their language of respect. Normally, normally. And that's, that's what my experiences have been. So, for example, my, my number one person in my business, Garrett, I've learned his language of respect. And I know what not to say. And I know what, what to say in all authenticity. And it's beautiful because what he lacked, I lacked. Mm-hmm. So, believe it or not, sometimes language of respect gets lucky and you have similar alignments of language of respect. So sometimes your employees have very similar experiences and all of a sudden it comes to be a perfect dot connecting formula. And I believe the universe, if you love the human race, will even bring people to you that know your jargon, that can juggle with the jargon, that know how to talk. Beautiful. But even when that doesn't happen, knowing this formula will give you the ability to guard your lips and listen, ask questions, and, and let them talk about their past experiences. So yeah, tell me where you were, where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what'd your parents do? Ask one little parent to think about their parents. Find out what their parents are all about. See if they had any issues. You know, it's when I interview people, I talk with people I loved, and they're gonna, I'm gonna give them a position of trust. I need to, I need to know some backstory because they're gonna deal with tens of thousands of my dollars, you know, and so I'm gonna be, I need a backstory. And so language of respect gives you that access. You know, having a formula gives you the lens, formulated lens to know what you're looking for at that point. And now, there's, a, um, there's a wonderful thing online that we discovered on our team uh, many, many years ago that's exactly in the slot that you're talking about, but you have to care enough about others. And of course, you, it, we're not talking boss to employee here. This is something you can do with your kids. This is something you can you need to practice with your, your coworkers on your team, no matter where you are in the hierarchy. Yeah. If you want a, a little reference to what Michael's talking about in the book, it's explained beautifully. And there's actually an online version of this, just what you're talking about, Michael. It's called the love languages. Mm-hmm. And we started using it years ago. You know, for me, my love language, my language of respect is for people to, if somebody wants to say thank you to me, they can do it by <laughs> doing a little thing for me, just taking some little load off my my back. Whereas my daughter, she's completely different. Hers is the language of, she really appreciates words of words of affirmation, you know, validation and so forth. So I can mm. offer to clean her apartment and that would mean nothing to her to say thank you. She just wants to hear a thank you out of and be affirmed. And then there's people who love gifts. That's a whole nother love language and so forth. So it's this, it's this knowing how other people like to be appreciated is part of the mm-hmm. equation too. That's the, that's the whole love language scenario that I can add to this part of our conversation that people might want to go. I would call that frosting, the frosting. Of the, of the language of respect. For yeah, sure. lovely. That's the lovely. frosting. I like that. That's a very nice point. That would be the sweetness to it all. That's know? right. I mean, we need to know how to say thank you to others when, they, when they're making a difference in our lives. Yeah. As we kind of wind down here, I want you, I don't, I, we cannot finish our conversation without talking about this. How does the average person really make a choice to start? chasing people instead of money tell me like are there some steps and yes in this book is okay after the rat race the rat race okay the rat race and i'll tell you what that's a good that's a good chapter about this subject because basically everyone at a certain point in their life 
was faced with a choice. Mm-hmm. It could have been when they're 15, could have been when they're 25, could have been when they're six, who knows. But there was a place where they became, they made a choice. Am I going to be a giver or a taker? Now, we all give and take, I know that. But when it comes to the dominant part of us, are we going to take or are we going to give? And people go, well, that's, you know, born in your DNA. You know, I don't, I, I believe, I believe their choices as a, I'm a big firm believer on that. We choose, we choose these things and we not, might not need to even know when we did, of course, but somewhere down the line, we chose to be either a giver or a taker. And, and so in my book, I, I run into these crazy you know, questions and scenarios. Would you take an offer? Someone said, listen, if you, if you, ch- if you choose this, you know, this is this, I'll, I'll do this to you to catch a deal. You know, so the book talks about, it puts it in the brass tacks basically, right? But when you find that day out, when did I become a giver and not a taker? And let me give an example. That, that moment of peer pressure when I was 19, 18 or 19, when, when my, my employer at the time said, he broke a timer in front of me. You know, he's called me over. He broke it right in front of me. And he said, can, and he said, can you see so that's a hundred good timer? Pop, broke it. There's bad timer, hundred bucks. And I was like shocked. You know, I was shocked right then. So right here, I was at a new level. I really, really, really wanted to be more than just a kid. I wanted to make money and have goals. And I, I was hungry for life at this point. It's hungry for it. And this person, particular person was promising to grow a big company, partner, we're gonna make a lot of money. I was like, eyeballs were bugging. I was so excited. And then after six months of working my tail off, a better terms, lack of better terms, I was just working so hard in the heat towards this goal. And he calls me over to show me how he can break a timer for a hundred bucks. And I had to say, choose right there. And not only did I have to choose, that guy turned to me and barked. He said, he goes, can you do this? And I was, I was stifled. I was shocked processing. I can't believe he did. And he goes, I need to know. Can you do this? He said it really hard. And this was a moment where I, I'm not, it was all this for not because I wasn't making any money yet. It was a lot of work for nothing, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Six months. And I went, whoa. It all came to that moment right there. And I went, never. Not my mouth, never. And I chose right there. I will never do that, you know? So now I might have chose when I was younger to be a giver more than a taker, but I'm hard pressed to believe that was the day I absolutely faced faced with the choice. Are you going to be a giver or a taker? And I chose giver. And so people are faced with these moments, subtle or more aggressive like mine. I don't know, but they're faced with this. Like, for example, when you're at a car salesman, not to say that all car salesmen, not singling out car salesmen, but I was at a sales seminar once when I was a kid before this moment. And this guy with this big sales guy, trainee guy, just going crazy, talking about a sales thing. And he said that, uh, said a, a question about if you're not able to do this to your grandma, you need to leave right now. And he goes, he talked about how to bamboozle somebody. And he goes, if you're not, and I, and I said, you know, there's no way I could stay another minute after he said that. There's just no way. So I got up and left. I could say that was my day I chose because I really got it at that point. But I was still kind of young. But the day that employer, after six months of sweat and a lot of hours, and then to be faced with that question, that's when it. That's when I had to choose, and I, I believe if people can recognize the moment they chose, and if just let's just say I chose to be a taker, and here's my point to this, very important point. Let's just say I chose to break those timers, and we went off and broke broke all those timers, and I broke them with them, and we made an extra hundred times a hundred, ten thousand bucks. Okay, we broke ten hundred timers, we made ten thousand bucks. We split the money, and we all had money. We all had money, and I realized, ah, oh, that's easy money, piece of cake. And I chose, what if I chose that course and I'm in a disaster or I'm in prison or 
flat broke alcohol something I, who knows riddled with vices and i could and i'm listening to my book my, i'm reading this book chase people online and i'm reading the rat race what was the day i chose to be a giver not a take a taker not a giver and i could go back to that one moment and say wow retracing those steps i believe is a powerful powerful healing moment for people see so it comes back to i believe choices when you study your choices wow that's the greatest reflection of all study those choices the rat race the rat race is riddled I mean, the, the the nation my opinion has so many people that have made that wrong choice and they've went with and they went all the way up to powerful corporations and powerful businesses and 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 they have this what i call in the book the million penny rule and i i get people aware of the million penny rule in this book that if you take a million penny million clients and bill them all a penny you make ten thousand dollars and that's amazing no one's ever going to say nothing about a penny so you can easily make 10 and every time you want ten thousand bucks it's like that snap your fingers but how about billing them all 25 cents or just say five cents that's fifty thousand dollars and then say five people or you know 100 people complain for their nickel so then you set up a phone system of 20 minutes and 50 buttons to finally talk to somebody to get their five cents and although almost all those people didn't last but a few right and then so pretty much you made 50 grand for nothing well that principle that's a simplified principle of what's going on in mass scale and when we as a workforce a rising new firebranded workforce coming into the marketplace it says uh-uh not here not on my watch every penny down to the penny i honor my customers money. down to the penny and not not to be fastidiously frugal about pennies i'm talking it has to go all the way down to a penny because i'm gonna have a million clients a million people god, god willing a million people someday you know and uh, that i can build right or you know, and I'm I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch for that. There's I'll be faced with new choices as I get old. As I grow, I'll be faced with new levels and new choices. And it's interesting, right? But it goes all the way up. So this is what it's what's at the core of of the new era that I think is opening is where we we care as much about people as we do about their money. That's what I'm calling the uh, gratitude economy is coming, where we do business with people we appreciate and that we're grateful for running into. I'm so glad that we discovered you and that you helped us sort of put some meat on the bones of the essence of what I think is the new era opening, which is that it's going to be all about people and not money, and the money will take care of itself. Right. So Dr. Linda. Where can people connect with you, Michael? Yes. Where, where should they, anybody who wants to access your work and learn more? We're going to put all this in the show notes, by the way, but give it to us. Yes, gmichaelprice.com. gmichaelprice.com. Okay. Everything's right there. It's a central port. We're building that site. It's always online. And uh, we're uploading my, my music projects now. Without that, will be uploaded soon. And I've uh, been recording music for a long time. And uh, but so that'll be there soon. I got my new book, The Missy Message. And a third book coming around the corner. It's an exciting third book. Um, but the missing message is now done too. So all that's going to be online soon. But uh, always find what I'm up to and contact me via my website. And I like to be reachable for people. If people have a life thing and they, they want a point of contact, I truly believe I, I, as long as I'm able, as long as I've got breath, I like to be in, you know, I like if people need a person, a point of contact, contact me. Oh, that's find a me. lovely invitation. And you appear, you you impress me as someone who will truly give it once people reach out. And indeed, you know, before I, before I leave, I wanted to tell you, you know, we talked about earlier the solutions 
how do we go forward and apply things right so we can create a progressive plan for the future? Well, you know, I talk about one last thing um, that I, I don't know if I really articulated well in the book, but it complements the, the method of Chase People, Not Money for the people who achieve the success of Chase People, Not Money. So when you get the book and you follow the principles, you in very little time, you get very successful. And it's like, remember that there's something that I use to sustain this, this success. And that is the great game. It's called, I call it the great game. And it's food, clothes, and the right tool for the right job. Now, this is so good to know. So careful to know. And everything outside of these three elements, all my increase, I consider seed money. In other words, investment money in people and philanthropic projects. And so if I can live on the really good food, I eat the best food ever. I buy whatever clothes I want, eat whatever I want. And I buy the right tool for the right job. Outside of these three things, all my increase goes to the dirt, farmland. I'm, a, I'm not farm, farm, but as a figure of speech, I'm a farmer when it comes to you know, people. So I invest all my money back into, the pe- back into projects and people and good causes outside of those three things. So, and because of that formula, I'm 53 and I'm bouncing off the walls always always, no matter what bombshell hits me, could be a bung injury, could be something, you know, I have this resilience to me and this happiness in me all day, every day. And I'm so grateful for it. It's because I have detethered myself from the carbon universe. And what keeps me there is the great game, food, clothes, and the right tool of the right job. Outside of that, it's all investment, all people. It's all back to the cause. See, that, I want for nothing and I'm tethered to nothing. That is a lovely, lovely sentiment to end our conversation on. Attachment to outcomes, to acquisitions of things and all that is at the core of much of our disappointments in life. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're, what you're telling us is to um, look for our attachments in people and relationships and, and loving, loving others. And we're going to find all the fulfillment we need. Oh, so true. And yeah. my investments in people. Yeah. And people. Well, thank you so much, Michael. As we've said, down in the show notes, you're going to be able to find anything that uh, Michael and I talked about. And thanks to our affiliate partners for also proving that it's still an amazing world. You can find information about them in the show notes as well. And remember to check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. It's where people who have this kind, this level of good intention are finding each other and being multipliers for the best that are in their work and their skills. And as always, check out Ever Widening Circles. If you want to support media that matters, download the app. And for a dollar a month, you can make this project and all the projects that we point to grow exponentially. Thank you very, very much, Michael. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.